You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Thursday to you all. Plenty to get to ahead on this edition of Locked On Utes. Brian, the Holy War draws ever closer. What are we going to cover ahead on today's podcast? We're sticking to the format, Jake. The Holy War is near, and we're going to try and answer your questions near and far. And then we'll talk a little. We'll do a little crossover work. It's a it's a different kind of week for you and I with you hosting a both episode, uh, both podcasts, the Locked On Utes, Locked On Cougars. So we tried to mix it up a little bit and uh, bring the expertise of Jake Hatch in a new format. The BYU Homer that is Jake Hatch is on the show today. Evil Jake. Evil. So we'll get to all of that. We'll have some fun ahead on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by our title sponsor, Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, without further ado, though, let's get rolling here. This is the Locked On Utes podcast for September 9th, 2021. Once again, this is the Locked On Utes podcast. Hope you all are doing great out there wherever you might be. Brian, how are you, my friend? I am great, Jake. We are on the eve of a very big event on Friday, but also on Saturday. It's it's the Utah Social Open, rivalry edition on Friday, and then you've got the Utah-BYU game. I don't know which one to be more excited about, to be honest with you, so I'm going to go with both. Uh, It should be fun. I'm actually very disappointed I'm not going to be able to make it out to the Utah Social Open. Uh, I've had an absolutely fantastic time playing in the spring event. I fully intend to be back out there next spring. Just uh, other obligations are going to preclude me from making it out to this edition, but I'll be doing my best to make myself available in future editions. Let's put it that way. There's no doubt that you'll be missed, Jake. For those who are not playing in the golf tournament, there's also the barbecue Thursday night that is tonight in Riverton. I believe it's Riverton, Riverton. Park. Yeah, uh, you can find them at Utah underscore Open on Twitter and uh, pretty much everywhere. It's it's the dominant event of the week without a doubt, right? No doubt about that. Uh, by the way, by way of introduction, I'm Jay Catch. That's Brian Brown. We are your co-host tandem, covering all things Utah every single day. As we are your only daily podcast focused on the Utes. So, Brian, let's get rolling here today, and it's a Mailbag Thursday, a hashtag Twitter Thursday if you want to go with that. We reached out on social media to our loyal listeners and asked them to submit their questions. So, shall we just dive on in? No time like the present, because the present is a gift, Jake, and you're the gift that keeps on giving to our podcast. All right, well, let's start off with this one. This is our good friend Utah punt team. He says, in regards to 12 personnel that's so hot this week, if the H-back is behind the QB in typical four-back formation, is that still 12 personnel? And if it's 21 personnel, how far out does he have to line up before it's now 12 personnel? Also the same question with a fullback. Always count on the Utah punt team to bring the heat. Uh, let's let's talk about personnel groupings, right? I think there's uh, a numerical system that, that is very popularized now. It's one of those ways that the uh, quote-unquote all-22 mafia likes to sound smart. 
personnel groupings start with the running backs and with the tight ends. So if we're looking at 12 personnel, that's one running back, two tight ends. If you have 22 personnel, that is two running backs, two tight ends. 21 personnel would be two running backs, one tight end. And so in this scenario, I think what he's assuming is that an H-back or a fullback would actually be assumed to be a running back. That's not the case. If we go back in the time and history of the position, the H-back uh, or the fullback, is, so if, if we really go all the way back and talk about single-wing football, I don't know how much you know about the original single-wing, Jake. Do you remember who the primary ball carrier was in the single-wing? Quarterback. Interesting, right? Yeah. But the quarterback actually lined up under the guard. Yes. And the, the tailback was actually the one that would receive the shotgun style snap. And so it was a very different organization. Um, and then somebody would thought, like, why would we have the quarterback to the side? Why not just line him up under the center? And suddenly the modern offense was born in 1924 or whatever it was. Uh, I think uh, you watched the Super Bowl two years ago. Kansas City ran a, a variant of, of the single wing, and, and old heads like myself all went ballistic. Getting back to the question, uh, the H-back is, is not – classified as a running back it's it's always been a blocking back or a fullback uh when a fullback goes out of of typical formation and, and we're conditioned to the eye or the staggered eye he becomes uh an h um and, and so that designation never really changes but also when a fullback goes out into the slot they suddenly become a y and why do they become a y i don't know why Shake. perhaps they'll die all right, I like it. You're you're now rhyming. We're we're doing well on today's show to get going. But to wrap things up, the reason that twelve personnel is so difficult is because of the versatility of Brant Keithy, right? Mm-hmm. Like and, and Dalton Kincaid can also follow up. What what we call a move tight end is, is traditionally the tight end that falls in line at the line of scrimmage is able to block along with the offensive line, typical a larger bulkier, more running, blocking oriented tight end, but can still run routes. Uh, these new H uh, flex hybrid, flex hybrid, or, or I think they call them deep or, or lot fade tight ends. There's a whole, but this is where you start to realize that verbiage and, and language changes. So, so broadly and why it can be hard to go from system to system, right? Because you might call it a flex tight end. Somebody else might call it a fade. We've gone really into the weeds on this. I'm, I'm going to wrap it up by saying this. <clears throat> the reason that 12 is so difficult is because what you're doing every single time with a tight end is you're lining up the matchup that you want based on what the other team is showing. So if you have an advantage against a safety, you can motion the tight end to wherever it is till you get that matchup. If you have a matchup against a linebacker where you feel like your tight end has speed or, or, or advantage against it, then you can do that. If it's a zone coverage, then you can let your tight end go out there in the slot and, and, and go upfield. If you rewatch the Weber State game, there were multiple occasions where Brant Keithy and I'm using my hands as you can all see because podcasting is a visual medium there are multiple times where we ran twins or or quads whatever you want to call it right where you've got two wide outs on either side and and of, and of those two twin sets one was a tight end so it, it's not uncommon these days it's a very common occurrence and the reason that play action works so well off of that is because college players have a hard time staying disciplined with their eyes yeah, no doubt about so, that. 
That might have been a lot. Well, I've got, I've got a, we got a similar question that kind of ties in with this, and that's our friend uh, Peace Love and Utes at Peace Love Utes says, "I'm a visual learner. Please help me see what a four tight end set, set, excuse me, run by Utah would look like." And Brian, I'm going to go ahead and interject here that I believe it would be essentially a, for lack of a better term, a single back system. You would have the running back. You would have uh, Dalton Kincaid out wide at one. Uh, quote-unquote wide receiver position. You'd have Brant Keithy at the other wide receiver position, and then you would have Thomas Yasmin as well as Cole Fotheringham land, lined up as true inline tight ends connected to the offensive line. Am I wrong? No, yeah, that's absolutely correct. So your move tight ends are going to be Fotheringham and Yasmin, meaning that they're moving in conjunction with the offensive line. Uh, they're also the guys that if you were to do a flop, uh, meaning if you were to flop motion, they would go from one side of the formation to the other, shifting the defense and showing the, making the defense show what their coverage is, right? Yep. Um, the, the, the beauty of that kind of a set is the fact that you're spreading the defense out wide, so it gives you more opportunity to open up lanes in the running game. Uh, the other downside, I guess, is if you're not lined up on a hash, or excuse me, if you are lined up on a hash, you're suddenly balanced, right? And so that makes you uh, easier to defend in, in some some senses, depending on, on how the defense is aligned. And that's, that's the kind of stuff that we talk about for hours, right? This is the kind of stuff that when you talk about, you know, coaches sitting dissecting things on a board, this is literally what they do. They sit and throw the marker up and say, all right, draw that and let's see how we stop it. No, that's a very good point. All right, one more question before uh, we uh, take a short time out. And this one, I think, sticks with kind of the theme we've been talking about, a lot of blocking, just kind of a lot of trench play. This comes in from Lurchito Ute. Which O-lineman will have the best game on Saturday? Brian, I'm going to let you answer first. I already have my answer teed up, so go ahead. I would wager that maybe, perhaps, our our answers are the same, but I'll tell you who it needs to be. It needs to be Nick Ford. Bingo. Uh, And I say that, yep, you know, and I think we both know, and I think Nick also knows that his performance against Weber State was not up to his standards. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've seen him set the standard both for himself and for the guys next to him. He didn't play up to that. We had some snap issues. A lot of that was due to the way that Weber State was lining head up on him and, and jumping into him, getting off the ball quicker. Nick was unable to get his his first hand up in time, trying to attack with both hands, thus rushing the snap, which you never want to do. As an offensive lineman, you always want to do what what I like to call the handshake, where you shoot your offhand up and, and, and shake him right in the armpit. And that gives you enough chance to, to stop and stabilize things and then bring your second hand either with a punch or, or to either you know adjust your feet and set so that you can block on an angle. Most people think that you block upfield, and just like, you know, push guys backwards. I got news for you. Those dudes are 350 pounds. You're not doing a lot of pushing that way. So the goal is always to get them moving side to side, right? Yep. Yeah. You just want, you're, you're trying to get them out of where they're currently lined up or where you want your guys to go. That, that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. Sometimes you may end up getting an advantage where you are pushing them upfield, but by and large, that's not going to happen a lot. It's very rare where you get two guys going head up on one another and the guy who's on offense just gets that massive amount of push and, and inertia to get a guy just going backwards. That'll happen a lot of times with a true double, uh, a, a double team or a combo. There's there's a variety of ways to do it. You can smash, you can crash, you can uh, 
juggernaut. You can one of those three is not an actual term. I'll let you all decide which one is and isn't. But getting back to the original question, I think it's Nick Ford. He has to have the best game. He has to set the tone for this offensive line. He has to be a factor because I guarantee you that BYU's seen that film and is planning some some sort of uh, uh, stunt or. you know, uh, alignment to where they get somebody who's quick and fast and strong to get up into Nick early on to try and cause some disruption with the snap. No doubt. All right. Uh, coming up in just a moment, we'll catch up on the other questions that have been sent in. Uh, one of them I'm very much looking forward to because it's Brian at his best when this question is answered. We'll dig into that in just a moment. But first, let's talk about our friends over at Rock Auto. Brian, you and I have both used this company multiple times to take care of our vehicles. The best part about Rock Auto is their goal overall is to save time and save money when using their resource. They want you guys to be able to get the parts you need for your vehicle at reasonable and affordable prices. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership when you can just go to rockauto.com? It's almost like the 20 years that they've been in business as a family has paid off in some way, shape, or form. Actually, no more than any guy at the counter, guy or gal. I, I, let's let's be equitable here. Guy or gal behind the counter at a local parts store, and their inventory is twice the size. Their warehouse shake it's enormous. Yep. It's even bigger than Rice Stadium. That might be a lie because Rice is really tall, but it's super wide and long. And so that's why you want to go to rockauto.com. They have the selection there. The website is easy to navigate. They're obviously going to take good care of you. They give you the same price no matter what your designation in life is, mechanic, non-mechanic, uh, uh, try it at Homer. Uh, you could be, uh, you know, Dr. Feinstein, who, who is the smartest brain surgeon in the country, but maybe has never turned a wrench in your life. They're still going to give you that same, same price. Yeah. So that's why you got to go to rockauto.com. And what do you got to do when you're there, Jake? It's really simple. Just go check it out. Make sure you write Locked On or Locked On Utes in the How Did You Hear About Us box so we can get some credit for sending you over to check out their fantastic website. That's Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. Check them out at rockauto.com. Rolling on through this mailbag edition of Locked on Utes. And, Brian, I think this is an interesting question here. This comes in from Matt at Matt Nigber. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Nyber. Oh, Nyber. Okay. My, my. Don't worry. I've only botched that for roughly four years since I've known Matt. And you know what he'd like to tell me? Eh, doesn't matter. <laughs> Thanks, oh, really? Matt. Okay, well, there you go, Matt. Uh, so Thanks I, for making me sound like an idiot, Matt, for I've, most years of my life. Apparently, uh, I just jumped right in line with you there, Brian. But the question is, over under one and a half touchdowns for hashtag ThickBoy7 on Saturday? Well, I'm going to go hard on the under on that one just simply because I don't know that we're going to see Cam Rising. And, and I know where our good friend Matt uh yeah, amateur podcaster there for the No Truck Stop Pac-12 podcast. We'll give you a shout-out, a little a bit of love for that one. Um, I just don't know that we're going to see a lot of cam rising. I know that Utah fans love to joke. And uh, uh, Primp, is, is that – there's a, a peacock. Peacock, yeah. show their feathers, right, uh, with the way that Utah has dominated BYU. 
nine, eight, however many outcomes. Uh, But I think this one might be a little bit closer than that. I really do. Uh, This BYU team is better than most people want to give them credit for. They do not have a Zach Wilson or a Dax Millen on the roster, but they have some very capable players in their stead. And while they did lose Kyrus Tonga, there's a lot of – there's a lot of beef on that defensive line left left over. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm with you. I just it doesn't seem like this is the game where you're going to see uh, Cam rising a lot. But hey, we could be completely wrong about that. Yeah, barring an injury to Charlie Brewer, in which case you you pound the over immediately yeah. as soon as possible, and you put the mortgage on the over, Matt. You put it on the over ASAP. BetOnline.ag. Yeah, check it out. We'll talk about bet online here in just a moment. But another question again coming in from a good friend of ours, Ute Daddy at Ute Daddy. When do we see Jaquindon Jackson? And uh, Brian, similar to the over under question from Matt, just barely. I'm going to hit the under on whatever people want to kind of say here because I just don't see him being a huge factor here relatively quickly. Yeah, we really haven't gotten an update on his health status lately. Uh, wasn't even dressed for the game against Weber State, so that's never a good sign. Uh, Whittingham has not said that he's out for the season, so there's a possibility that he will return. However, however, if I'm the University of Utah, I'm going to debut that bad boy. I'm going to unleash the J train on the L.A. Coliseum if that's the day uh, that he's healthy. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, a couple more here coming in. This one from Outer Darkness. What has happened to David Shaw and Stanford? What's the uh, Steve Miller band line? Time keeps on Uh, shifting into the future. Yeah, into the future. Yeah, that's what Mm -hmm. it is, yeah. Well, apparently David Shaw is not a fan of SMB because he is not transitioning into the future. The pace at which Stanford is playing right now is absolutely ridiculously slow for a team with that high quality of talent, that high quality of a run game, and trying to minimize the uh, the amount of mistakes and potential to uh, uh, lose a game. They, they've overdone it. They've overcooked their grits, uh, as our good friend Coach Herman Boone likes to say. And that's the biggest problem, along with the fact that they try to go co-starters at quarterback, and that did not turn out well either. Yeah, Tanner McKee is supposed to get the start against USC, but uh, David Shaw needs to go meet with Nick Saban because Nick Saban used to play at that same plotting uh, pace that Stanford seems to be playing at. And we all know that Saban has freely admitted that he realized he needed to, quote-unquote, get with the times and upgrade what he's doing on offense. And guess what? Uh, Alabama's winning more national titles, it feels like, now than they were doing that previous format. David Shaw could take a page out of that book. He's, he's got to get with the times, and as much as I love David Shaw, it's pretty evident that they've fallen behind and, and that the Stanford way needs to uh, follow the rest of the campus and, and uh, modernize a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. All right, last question here that I am seeing, Brian, unless I'm mistaken, comes in from our good friend Roz at Roz in Real Life, and she says, you guys haven't talked crap on me in a while. What's up with that? Yeah, sources close to me have told me that the uh, the real athlete of the family in Ms. In Real Life's household is no longer Roz, but actually her son, who had, I believe it was an interception and a big reception in his game for Bingham on last Saturday. We have high expectations for the future youth, uh, young uh Mr. In Real Life, uh, name redacted just because he's still a minor and we won't reveal any of that, but I believe he will be a highlight of the 2026 or 2027 recruiting class. 
We'll get back to you on that one. Well, Roz, I expected more from Brian in terms of talking crap, but to, uh, to knock you off your perch as the best athlete in the family, that's a, that's a pretty good dig. Yeah, sorry, not sorry that your kids are all scoring goals and you haven't scored anything this week. I'm just going to, you know, back away from the mic like Brian is. <laughs> that's right fine. Now. You two already became best friends a long time ago. That's fine. <laughs> just go on. We did become best friends. There's no doubt about that. So there you go, Roz. Hopefully uh, that was enough for you. And looking forward to your retorts uh, coming up shortly, I- I'm sure, after this podcast is published. All right. Uh, we will wrap up today's show with a unique um, week. As Brian mentioned in the open, it's kind of a unique thing for us because I happen to host both the Locked On Utes and also Locked On Cougars podcast. We're going to give you the BYU perspective. We're going to play what we call fill in the blank to let you know a little bit more about BYU ahead of this matchup in the Holy War. We'll get to that in just a moment. First, though, Brian, let's talk about Sweat Block. This is a very interesting product because you and I are both what I like to term big boys, and this is something I could have used for many, many years of my life. I am glad it's around now because I think there are other people that can benefit from this product. It's, I mean, I feel targeted, but in a good way, Jake. It's people like me who sweat through everything, the kind of people who get sweaty on a bus in the middle of winter time when it's 30 below outside. This is what sweat block is for. This is a saving grace for a man such as myself. It's twice a week. I throw it on the underarms. And guess what I never have to worry about again, Jake? I never have to worry about wearing my peach uh, golf shirt or my, uh, you know, chartreuse button down or my lilac uh uh, collared shirts, right? Because I'm not going to be showing any sweat stains. I'm not going to be dripping out on those things. I can go run a marathon and I will be bone dry under these pits. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. It's doctor created, doctor recommended. It's in. It's a wipe. It's a clinical strength antiperspirant. Works for up to seven days per use, guys. It's been featured and tested on the Rachel Ray Show by actual firefighters. And it's also a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years. Over 13,000 Amazon reviews. So you know that a lot of people have given it a shot. So you can give it a shot yourself. And it can be your little secret, as Brian mentions, just being confident wearing whatever you want. Go to sweatblock.com right now and save 20% by using the promo code locked on you also can order it at amazon or get it at your local cvs pharmacy on the shelves there but if you want that 20 percent off sweatblock.com using the promo code locked on One final timeout on today's show to talk to you about our friends over at Bet Online. Brian and I have both uh, been on Bet Online, playing around with different parlays, different bets on different sports. We've tried all kinds of things, but it's football time, Brian, and that means both college and NFL football are going to be. Uh, really front and center and bet online they are right here and making sure that you have a multiple or myriad of options available to you that's right jake it it's we're getting close the christmas season is upon us whether you think it is or not and it's time to make santa's nice list by going to betonline.ag and loading up your stocking with some massive funds because you're going to enter in that survivor contest over there and you're going to win it and you're going to pocket what is it 200k two hundred thousand dollars yeah 
Wow, that's a nice little Christmas bonus. That'd be great. There's also a lot a, better than jam. <laughs> there's also a half million. Yeah, the Jelly in the Month Club. There's a very nice pull on your part. There's also the half million dollar NFL Mega Contest, which is available to you guys. And if you're listening to this early enough in the day, it is the uh, kickoff to the NFL season tonight as the Buccaneers and Cowboys square off. They do have what they're calling their opening day super promo. What you can do is you can go make a wager on that game, and if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. That is for new customers only when signing up and using the promo code NFL100. But like I said, the game's already kicked off. You may be SOL there. But nonetheless, great options always available to you guys at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Brian, 100% of whatever you deposit for free. That's that that no compensation, no no charges, no nothing, Jake. That's what that free means. It means you get free money, and that's going to make that Christmas stocking even stuffed, even yeah. more stuffed. Use the promo code Locked On to take advantage of that. Get over there. It's Bet Online. They are the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. It's all at BetOnline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. This is something I have been looking forward to for the better part of a few weeks at least. It's a crossover edition between Locked On Cougars and Locked On Utes. And Brian Brown is with me. Any of you that listen to Locked On Utes are very familiar with his voice. Any of you who are listening to Locked On Cougars are probably still familiar with him, but maybe not so familiar with his voice overall. But Brian, thanks for taking the time. How are you? I'm I'm well, Jake. I think I'm probably not that well amongst Cougar fans because I've never made it to Cougar Board, which I'm okay with. Uh, stay away. I just that's my personal. <laughs> Done my best. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe this is my this is my one shining moment to get on there. Yeah, it's just it, 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 just. Just don't. That's that's kind of the 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 whole opinion on the Locked On Cougars podcast is just to avoid Cougar board, if at all possible. But nonetheless, uh, we are here to talk about the Holy War game. Uh, your name for it, the rivalry game, in-state game, may vary. But I figured the way we do this, Brian, the way to attack this is to let our listeners essentially have us interview one another about the game from both the BYU perspective and the Utah perspective. We're going to do a little thing called fill in the blank here to kind of fill in some of the questions that we have about both sides. So because I'm the gracious host here, I'm going to let you ask me about the Cougars. So fire away. Jake. The first player to score a touchdown for BYU on Saturday will be... Well, it depends on if you're a Utah fan who wants to answer this question because they don't believe a cert- any Cougar is going to score in this game. But the first uh, Cougar to score in this game, I'm going to say Tyler Algier. I think that's a strong answer. It was it was obvious from what I was able to watch as BYU took on Arizona that he has a lot of potential uh, to 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 score uh, first and foremost, but also to be a big play guy. Uh, his straight line speed is through the roof, and he is a big, strong dude. Uh, I would expect to see. Uh, I think that's a good choice. Yeah, I like that. Well, and the biggest thing for me is I want to see if, if BYU is actually able to have any better success running the ball against Utah than they have had in the recent past because it's been a struggle for the Cougars against a very formidable Utah defensive front, but I'm just throwing it out there. I think Algier is the guy to get in the end zone first for the Cougars. It's a good choice, without a doubt. 
Any second choices? Second choice, I'd say Jaron Hall. I'd, I'd probably put him up there. Whether that's a tossing a touchdown or if he ends up running one in with his feet, he's more than capable of running with it. But I think he'd probably be my second choice there. I like that. All right, Jake. The best defensive player for BYU is? Ooh, this is a really good one. Considering uh, last Saturday, Keenan Peely tallied 17 total tackles for the Cougars in that win against Arizona. It was actually a number. I looked up at that post game and I'm like, wow, that's a really high number. And obviously that stood out to me. But I would still say the best defensive player for the Cougars is probably his, his running mate in Peyton Wilgar. Also, both very good choices. Uh, the player most likely to record a sack against the University of Utah might be... Ooh. Give me Tyler Batty. Uh, I think he's the guy uh, that most BYU fans kind of pegged their hopes on BYU having an elite pass rusher. Uh, they think he is the guy. He showed some things during 2020. Obviously had a pretty good game against Arizona. Garnered a sack among the four that BYU had against the Wildcats. So if I've got to peg one guy to get a sack, I'm probably going to go with the defensive end, Tyler Batty. The player that Utah fans will hate most at the end of this game will be... Okay, this is a great question, and I've actually got a name that I think when I explain why, you'll get it, but it's going to be Chaz Ayu. Oh, boy, is there a lot of history associated with that one? I think that's a great answer, Jake. Uh, I would say maybe Jaron Hall, if it were me, only because I think Jaron Hall has the potential to do some things uh, to the hearts of Utah fans that they definitely do not want to see. Okay, well, okay. if Jaron Hall ends the streak, and there's been a lot of talk on BYU fronts about the Hall-to-Hall connection, because obviously Max Hall, the last quarterback to have beaten uh, Utah in a BYU uniform, also Jaron Hall now, so there's some thought on that. Obviously, he would draw the ire of Utah fans, but I can tell you th- this much. Chaz Ayu, the dude loves to chop it up with folks and would not surprise me to see him chop it up win or loss and really get under some Ute fans skin. There's likely some extra motivation from him as well as his father once uh, worked at the University of Utah for the football program was up for a position as a position coach did not receive that position Mm -hmm. and that was all she wrote for his father. Yep that'll also play into it no doubt. Jake, the final score of this game will be decided by a touchdown. Uh, I I think it's going to be a fairly narrow game. I think BYU is more talented in this matchup than they were in 2019 as a whole. I know that BYU fans are not going to be happy with me saying this. I am still picking Utah to win the matchup, but I do think it will be within seven points. I do feel like this is as good a a, a competi- competition as we've seen in recent years. Uh, it's a team that I think for BYU has been a little bit undervalued by Utah fans, but I also think at the same time this Utah team comes in with a lot of talent and a lot of potential. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. It's going to be a, another one of those matchups that's always anticipated, and the best part is, well, not, maybe not the best part is, it's, it's going to be significant considering the next two years after this, the Utes and the Cougars are not scheduled to face off against one another. Sorry, BYU fans. We're headed to Florida. You're going to the swamp, which, you know, BYU fans, I think we get it. And, and at some point in everyone's life, you have to go wrestle some gators. Yeah, this is a very good point there, Brian. All right, what else you got for me here? 
let's do this one. The uh, scariest moment of the game will be provided by which player for Utah and which player for BYU? Scariest moment. Scariest, I mean, for like, as in, oh no, this is the this is going to make the bad thing happen for both fan base. Not scary as in Keenan Ellis because we don't need any more of that. Sure, yeah, we don't need any more of that. No doubt about that. And obviously, best wishes to Keenan Ellis as he continues to recover from that very scary incident against Arizona. I don't think anybody. Go ahead. I was going to say, let's say nerve wracking. That's a better term. Nerve wracking. Okay. Uh, on the Utah side of things, it's Tavion Thomas. That dude is built by like a Mack truck. I can see him busting off a 20 to 25-yard run that probably could go for longer and he gets uh, tripped up or something like that. But you can just see BYU fans saying, oh my goodness, this game could tilt right now. Then on the Utah side of things, in terms of a, a BYU player who can strike fear into him, it's a guy you mentioned earlier on, Jaron Hall. His ability to run the football and really create with his feet, I think is going to give Utah fans a bunch of heartburn. The defensive player that Utah fans will find out about for the first time from BYU is? Sorry, I was coughing right when you said that, so say that one more time. I'll just give me, just give me let me, with the, I'll just, and I'll pick it up. <laughs> Who was it? The defensive, the offensive and defensive players that Utah fans will will discover for the first time are? Ooh, good question here. I think uh, you're going to get to know Dallin Holker to a larger degree than maybe you already know. Uh, There was some concern that the tight end unit for BYU did not get a lot of looks against Arizona. And I think most Utah fans are very familiar with Isaac Rex. But Holker, home off of a mission, had a really good freshman year before uh, leaving for two years. He's back. He's supposed to be in really good shape. And hoping to see him uh, break out a little bit. So I think he's a guy that'll get reintroduced to Utah fans. And then on the defensive side of the football, I would say it's D'Angelo Mandel, uh, the lead cornerback for the Cougars. They're really confident in this cornerback group. Mandel had a pretty good game against Arizona. I think Utah fans are going to get to know his name real quick. Well, Jake, it was great to have you on my show today. We really appreciate all the uh, insight. And uh, Oh, wait, that's not how we did it this time, is it? No, we don't, Brian, but tomorrow we will turn the tables, so to say, and I will be the one doing the question asking. We'll just talk more about Utah and get part two of what we call our crossover edition here as we get you ready for the Holy War game. But fun all the same, and hope you guys learned a little something about the Cougars along the way there. Uh, Brian, last thing here that I am aware of is that we have uh, yet another in-state battle going down tonight as the Utah women's soccer program takes on their chief in-state foe, BYU. It should be a great night to be out on the pitch, Jake. And as much as the men's uh, side of the rivalry gets all the attention for football, I think we all know that the real action is going to be on this side of it for the football. Yeah, so it should be a fun one. We'll have a recap of that for you guys on tomorrow's show. As Brian mentioned in the Open, if you're looking for something to do tonight, get out there to the Utah Open. Are they calling it a potluck, a picnic? What are they calling it? Yeah, something like that. Potluck picnic, all the above. But people online that you yell at all the time and and realize that, hey, even though you yell at us, we still love you and we have a lot of fun together. Yeah, so get out there. It's it's in Riverton. Like Brian mentioned, you can follow the guys and find out more information at Utah underscore open. Make sure also while you're on Twitter to follow us at Locked on Utes, at Brown Bear SLC for Brian, or at Jacob C. Hatch for myself. Brian, What final words of wisdom do you have for us for this edition of Locked on Utes? 
Jake, be good. Be good to each other. Be good or be good at it. Goodness gracious. I like Not it. my best of work. I, I like it all the same, though. I, I think it's very profound. But nonetheless, that's going to do it for this edition. Hope you all are doing great out there whenever you hear it. This has been the Locked On Utes podcast for September 9th, 2021. And we will talk to you guys manana.